Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 183 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. If you are one of our listeners who listen to our show on the day that it gets released, you're probably hearing this out at the end of the June. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. Today is the last day that you can claim your free loop by writing a review in iTunes for us. For those of you who wrote a review, I'll already send the Uber loop if you send me your address. So if you got a moment, I would really appreciate it. If you head over to iTunes or Stitchers, write us a few words about like your experience listening to this podcast, and then you can shoot me an email or a snapshot of the review and let me know what your address is. And I would gladly send you a bottle of my favorite loop. Loop, Uber loop. Today we're going to talk about how you can make things exciting in the bedroom. I know this is a trying time for many of us. We're stuck at home, we're bored, there are so many stressors, and we cannot engage in the behaviors and activities that was pleasurable for us in the past. So my invitation for you is to explore excitement in the bedroom. And one of the things that I was always curious curious about was wax play. And I invited an expert in this area to talk to us about how you can incorporate wax play in your sexual experiences. How can you make sex exciting? And also we're going to talk about how can you build the confidence to ask what you want from your partner? Because sometimes we see things in in the news or in the porn or different places and we want to explore it, but we don't know how to bring it up. So if you you are curious to hear more about how to spice things up in the bedroom, this is an episode for you. Our guest today is Miss Couple, described by Playboy as equal part Betty Grable and 90s Annie DeFranco. Miss Couple is a bedroom known for class, professionalism, and a forward-thinking mindset. She has been interviewed as an authority in the field by Cosmo Vice, People Magazine, The Daily Biz, Huffington Post, and countless other media outlets. In November 2018, she released her first book, The Ultimate Guide to Bondage, Creating Intimacy Through the Art of Restraint. You can read her full bio in the show notes. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Miss Couple. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have Miss Couple with us today. Welcome to our show. Hello, thank you for having me. I am very excited for this conversation. I know I read a couple of the postings that you had. We were just talking about your website and all the wonderful services you provide. So I'm I'm very excited and looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. Let's get into it. Well, one of the challenges that I hear from my clients is that in this time and age, people have access to information if they want to spice things up, or perhaps they kind of know what they like 
And at times our interests are might be in the kinkier side. And it's really tough to bring it up with a new partner or even at times I have married couples that they're coming in and saying like, I, I want this. Like a few days ago, one of my clients was telling me that he has a foot fetish and he never talked about it with his spouse. And it's hard to talk about these things. So tell us, how can people build the confidence of having these conversations with their partners? I think that's a great question. You know, most people's first exposure to kink is through porn, but I really advise people to do their research outside of porn because while it's incredibly hot and it gets us going, porn is really based on fantasy and it doesn't really focus on the real world problems that can arise in kink. And I like to say that kink is the advanced math of relationships, that you really need to put in some time studying it and really hone your skills in order to engage in it safely and healthily. So that would be my first recommendation to really do your research and read some books, maybe take some online courses and make sure that you know what you're doing and doing it, engaging in it safely. And then, you know, once you've done enough research and have through credible sources, you should come up with a plan of execution of how to bring it up to your partner. So one problem that many of my clients have is that they suppress their desires until they can't anymore either because of shame or just because they don't know how to bring it up. But then it bursts out and they spring it on their partner in the least tactful way possible. So, you know, timing is everything. And I think it's really important to set aside time to talk about it, not doing it while you're cleaning the house or doing chores together, but to really try to set aside time because it is going to be, a, you know, an important conversation for your relationship. And one thing that I really like to do is help my clients come up with a plan of execution, including starting small, maybe in the shallower end of the kink pool, not making demands on their partner, preparing for some pushback, possibly. You know, kink is really hard for lots of folks to wrap their minds around for a variety of reasons. So it might take your partner some time to process and research on their own before they agree to join in. And ultimately, I think it's when when couples see the kink activity as a vehicle for intimacy and connection rather than a quick way to spice things up that they get the most value out of the experience. Well, you brought up several good points. Uh, I think first with kind of comparison with the porn, sometimes people forget this is a production that like people yes. are instead helping you with adjusting things. Maybe this is take number 10 and people are kind of like making sure the lighting is great because sometimes people have this expectation that this is the first time I'm doing bondage and we're going to be exactly like that couple in the, <laughs> in the movie or in the porn. And they right. get really, really, disappointed and you I love that you said if you're interested in it, the kind of invest on taking classes I remember a few years ago I had this couple that the partner the male partner was into bondage and was saying that it's like when we tried to do the bondage it felt like kids kind of <laughs> playing rope and it was just yes. so disappointed well I think mm-hmm. if you want to have a good experience it's important to invest on learning the skill and also adjusting your expectation then yes. this is a, like it's learning a bike 
like you're riding a bike. So if if this is the first time you're riding the bike, there's going to be some kind of like falling down and uncomfortable and awkwardness, which which is absolutely okay. The exactly. other thing that you mentioned that was great was like plan your timing of having this conversation because sometimes we have this shame around the things we want. And then like we try to kind of incorporate it like kind of subtly and during sex without talking about it with the partner. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our partner is just purely confused about what's going on because they know that's that's not uh, that they're not sure if that's something you're interested in what's going on but if you're talking about it outside the bedroom then you you're opening up the conversation about what are you doing why is it attractive to you so you will increase your chance of having a successful encounter yes and i think really it's important for people to feel like they can trust their partner uh, in order to have really vulnerable conversations like that so speaking to them about maybe some less vulnerable topics and seeing if they can be present and empathetic to your needs, I think will really help also build the confidence towards speaking about more challenging topics. Absolutely. So one of those kind of kink-inspired activities are wax play. So mm-hmm. what is wax play? Okay, so wax play is a type of sensation play. And I think many folks are really stuck in their heads when it comes to sex. So sensation play is a form of intimacy that entices us back into our bodies and allows us to just simply be and experience sights and sense, tastes and sounds and physical sensations in the moment. So you kind of just let go and are just experiencing. A lot of people kind of equate it to maybe uh, going to a concert and dancing and that's all you're thinking about, you know, something like that. You just are able to really let go. So with wax play, warm wax is stripped or poured over the body in a way that kind of forces the receiver into a receptive headspace. And there are varying degrees of wax play from using warm wax as a sensual massage tool to using hotter wax to cause either pain or suspense, which many people find to be erotic. Very cool. So is it the kind of like play with sensation and changing the sensational part of it that makes it attractive? What makes it exciting for people? Yes. You know, for some couples, it's a great no pressure way to have an intimate connection without sex even being on the table for them to really just experience being in their bodies and experience the different sensations. And for couples who are struggling to connect intimately, learning how to use their senses as a receiver, but also as a giver, reading the signals of their partner and responding to them can be very informative and a good step towards achieving more sexual intimacy. But for couples who already have an active sex life um, and are just looking to spice things up, wax play can just be a fun and novel foreplay. And, you know, it can begin in the bedroom and then move to the shower to make sure all the wax is rinsed off and then back to the bedroom again and it just changes up the usual routine and that really helps people to reignite their passions and then the ultimate you know another way that it can be used i think is for people who are interested in exploring power dynamics and control uh, or bdsm relationships and um wax play is a great activity in the shallower end of the pool of bdsm uh in comparison to like flogging or spanking you know impact play that is has a, a tone of violence behind it this can be more sensual and where it can be an activity where couples can explore a consensual 
power dynamic wherein like one person is the top or the giver and one is the bottom or the receiver. And they can see what that dynamic might look like without delving too deep into the whips and chains. Well, I know that most people have seen it in even mainstream movies, a version of a wax play. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that for couples that this is new for them, we're not grabbing a candle from our (laughs) living room to play with it. So how can we do it safely if if this is something that we haven't done it in the past? Yeah, there are. That's such a great point. You know, you really don't want to just replicate what you see on television like or in porn, like we said before, is not an accurate depiction of what's going on and so you know there are many safety elements that go into wax play because as i said before bbsm is the advanced math of relationships so you really need to do your research and homework and when i teach wax play to couples i break it up into two different lessons one is safety and one is technique and many people get intimidated by all of the safety precautions that are needed in order to safely engage in wax play like fire safety and candle temperature to know how to avoid avoid burns and skin sensitivities if your partner is allergic to perfumes or dyes, knowing where on the body is safe to place the wax and preparing the body by moisturizing it and making sure you're removing all the wax. So these are all things that need to be considered. But for people who are concerned that it's too much effort, I would just recommend starting with like a warm oil massage, which produces many of the same sensations and allows them to get comfortable before diving into all that safety information. But usually the novelty and the excitement and of that activity and like the opportunity for creative expression or even just the eroticism of it is what wins people over and they really invest into learning and mastering those elements of safety. But I, I would say the primary like TLDR list of safety precautions would be definitely avoid wax and anywhere on the face, over piercings, or on the genitals, unless you really know what you're doing. But I think a lot of porn displays that, but those people have studied and know which parts of the anatomy are safe and which ones are not. Make sure that you're using candles that are at a particular burn temperature, not that you're going to go using a thermometer, but you want to use either pure paraffin or pure soy candles, something that burns between 110 and 130 degrees. And also pay attention to the fact that the temperature varies based on how close or how far from the body the candle is. But you can buy candles specifically for wax play from a sex toy store or on Etsy. And those candles are made by people who are experts and really know what they're putting into their products and how to make them safe. They don't have chemical additives or perfume or dyes like the jar candles that you would buy at the store and always you know like when you're dyeing your hair you do a test patch first so you know burn burn the candle on and pour it on your own arm from two feet or six inches actually both I would say to get a feeling of the range of heat and because when you're when you start to do it you get excited it becomes compulsive and you might lose sight of you know how close the candle is so that's something to really pay attention to so definitely test it on yourself first and have a warm or a cool cloth uh, with water and maybe a bowl of ice nearby which can also be used for other sensation play but also to cool the skin in case of burning 
It's interesting that you said it's kind of a less threatening way of uh, introduction to the BDSM compared to spanking and uh, flogging and unflogging and all of that. And to me, it was like with those options, I can never get burned. <laughs> but, yeah, that's but true. Handel, there's this option of <laughs> me and my house being on fire. Yes, well, it is definitely edge play, but I think because there's a less violent tone behind it, it might be more easy to approach. But then you're right, there are still real elements of danger and risk involved in this type of play, which is why it requires so much uh, attention and study before really engaging. Well, well you know, sometimes when I go to sex stores, I wonder that like some of the objects there, I was like, you know, I can use like the spoon from my house. This is not a big deal. But I think with the candles, that's one of those things I rather buy it from the sex store, to, especially if you're a beginner, to know like the, what temperature it is. It's safe for this. So I appreciate that you, uh, you mentioned that. Tell us, so if, if there are couples that are interested in bringing novelty to a relationship, perhaps borrowed from the BDSM kind of like power play, what are some other things that uh, you invite people to consider and explore? Oh, well, I think the basics of BDSM power play really revolve around honing communication skills, which people don't recognize who are outside of the BDSM practice. But there's a lot that goes into negotiation and consent practices that really build intimacy before a physically intimate event. So I think learning about the negotiation process of BDSM can be very helpful to couples of all interests, even if you're not going to do wax play or spanking. But one thing that's really interesting that I'm seeing with my clients, particularly right now, is like relationship overload due to quarantine and COVID-19 and couples being quarantined together in the same small space. And one thing that I've learned from my study of relationships and BDSM is that absence is really one of the key elements of desire. You know, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. But when you're stuck in the house together, it's very difficult to get the personal space that you need in order to create sexual tension. And for me, a lot of BDSM is about creating that tension and release. So I've been recommending that to a lot of my clients that they either find time to go for a walk, private walk by themselves, or go to another part of area in the house and have separate time for themselves so that they can really connect with their needs and figure out what they want. And then when they come back together, they can be excited to do that, you know, excited to have the opportunity to connect. Well, what a great idea. And I agree with you that these days I hear from my clients that they feel, oh God, like we're together 24-7. They're I'm <laughs> so frustrated at my partner. The last yes. thing I want is just being intimate with him or her or they. You know, it's interesting that few months ago I went to like at this conference and one of the sex therapists I I respect she was talking about how sometimes the frustrations and dynamics that plays outside the bedroom, it will be helpful if you incorporate it in your play inside the bedroom. So I would imagine mm-hmm. that if there's frustration, of course, always consensual with, with conversation around those things. But it would be interesting if you can incorporate it to that play that you guys have in the bedroom. Yes, I think that's a great idea. And it definitely works for some of the couples that I work with. Well, 
But when people are starting to blur the lines like that, I really encourage them to have a frame, a framework for their BDSM dynamics. Because I think even if you just look at society and what's going on in society right now, power, especially in relationships, is modeled very poorly for the masses. And so I think a lot of people have misconceptions about how that is supposed to play out, especially in the consensual dynamic. And so if there, I, I think it's a great idea to maybe explore frustration consensually in the bedroom, but not without a thorough negotiation and really figuring out what they're trying to get out of that experience. But if that is discussed ahead of time, that can be an incredibly valuable experience for people. So that's what I was talking about in regards to learning about all the communication that goes into creating healthy BDSM dynamics. I think they are useful across the board. Absolutely. And I feel like some people, <laughs> some of us <laughs> during quarantine, we are communication out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be tough. But it absolutely, like any kind of a new behavior that you want to introduce in the bedroom, super important to talk to your partner about that. Uh, think about what would work for them, what wouldn't work for them. And it's interesting that I was reading this study and the study showed that people in quarantine experience loss of orgasm. So people who used to be orgasmic make they they are they no longer experience orgasm which is okay again at different parts of life people have different relationship with their sex and sexuality but i think this also kind of incorporating these things can create a sense of pleasure in a relationship because if we're doing sensory play then then you're introducing a different kind of pleasure yes and i think that's one of the really wonderful things also that i've learned from the bdsm dynamics is that uh, orgasm is not the end goal of these experiences so the the end goal is really just feeling closer and more intimate and like you know more about yourself and your partner after having a pleasurable experience and i think doing things like massage or even just going for a walk and holding hands or talking about your fantasies with each other are all things that can start to fan the flames of the fire and and get your libido back on track rather than try to force it in the bedroom and i see it a lot in my clients when they say like when there was a kind of period of time they haven't been sexual or they had bad experiences and now they're trying to rekindle things mm -hmm. they have this anxiety of oh god yes. what if the erection doesn't show up what if i don't experience orgasm and my recommendation recommendation to them is to do uh, non-penetrative activities to start with, like exactly what you said, like maybe you can do a sensei focus, kind of doing massages, or you can do kind of read erotic thing together, or kind of do a role play that's not involved with, uh, doing kind of with the penetration is not a center of the experience. So I agree with you on that. Yes. And I think there's so many fun things that people can do, especially right now when we're bored in our homes to get creative and and figure out also how to take care of each other because I think really a lot of that's a lot of what people are aiming to do in their sexual relationships is connect and take care of each other and there are many other ways besides penetrative sex to achieve that.
And they all can be, depending on your interests, like all of them or some of them can be pleasurable, enjoyable. So I, I, I don't like it when people have this hierarchy of thinking about if the orgasm is not there, then that's not sex or that wasn't a fulfilling sexual experience. It's because you're right that there are different aspects to sex and sexuality. Part of it is like connection with yourself and others. Some people even have this spiritual kind of like practices as, as part of their sexuality sexuality. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of adding tool to your toolbox. So when you are in a situation like quarantine and <laughs> you're stressed out, you can use a different play and different situation to make sure you are remaining connected and sexual. Yes, yes. Those are great points. So uh, tell us, I know that you 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 are a, a trainer, so you call it a bedroom trainer, which is such yes. an awesome, awesome title. What are some of the things you do to prepare couples for successful sexual experiences so I what I do is I do an assessment like a personal trainer I'm very much I was having trouble explaining to people exactly what it was that I did as a relationship coach so the way that I explain it is I'm like a personal trainer but for the bedroom so I help people target areas of weakness in their relationships and their intimate lives and then we together I work with them to create an actionable plan almost like a workout plan and help them hold the skills that will allow them to build a healthier and happier love life. So some of my clients are in crisis situations in their relationships. Others are like hobbyist bodybuilders. They're just dedicated to kind of strengthening their skill set and learning how to be a more effective lover. But the sessions that I offer are virtual and they're mostly talk-based and they involve um, assignments or relationship workout regimens, I like to call them, of things to practice either on your own or with partner to increase your skills and intimacy. Some people work on communication, some work on self-confidence, others work on these uh, areas of exploration together, and we have a lot of fun together, and I really feel like I'm making a difference in their lives, so I, I love my job. Awesome. It's definitely sounds like so much more fun than personal trainer, because the homework <laughs> is not lifting weight, so like it's yes. weight, hopefully, which is, which is great. So if people are interested to learn more about your coaching practice, the content you're producing, what are some of the places they can find you? People can find me on my website, which is misscouple.com or on Instagram, which is my social media of choice at Official. Well, guys, if you didn't get a chance to write it down, the information will be in the show notes. Miss Couple, thank you so much for sharing this expertise with us. And this was a very helpful conversation, at least for me. Thank you. I had a lot of fun speaking with you. Have a good day. You too. I hope this conversation gave you some idea about what you can do to ask for what you want and to incorporate novelty in your relationship. If you have not downloaded, feel free to download 101 Ways to Keep Your Relationship Hot checklist that I created a few months ago. And it's full of great ideas as far as like what you can do to, to increase passion and excitement in the relationship. It's not great because I created it. It's great because it's based on the many different research in the field. I hope the content was useful for you. If you're interested in the last checklist, you can find it on the show notes and I would love to connect with you on Instagram. You can follow me at Sexology Podcast. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. 
For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.